Hey everyone, welcome back to The Haunted Corner. I'm Ashton, and today I'm covering a case that has haunted me for years. Most of you know that I live in Colorado, I grew up here, and this case happened very close to where I grew up. Every October, Facebook reminds me of this case because I shared links to news articles and posts as it was happening. This was the first event that really pulled me in and devastated me at the same time. I think about this sweet girl all the time and her family. Today, we're discussing the murder of Jessica Ridgway. Let's get into it. Jessica Ridgway was born on January 23rd of 2002. She lived with her mother, Sarah, her grandmother, and her aunt in Westminster, Colorado at the time of her disappearance. According to the Denver Post, Jessica loved to dance, play with fashion dolls, and care for her pets. She had a dog, two fish, and two frogs. Her favorite TV shows were Victorious, Shake It Up, and Wizards of Waverly Place. She loved attending her cousin's ball games and making up nicknames for the players, and she took great pride in caring for her neighbor's hairless cats. She had blue eyes, blonde hair, and she wore purple glasses. She was just this sweet little cutie. On the morning of October 5th, 2012, Jessica, along with over 300 other students who attended Witt Elementary School, prepared for another day. Her alarm clock went off at 7.45 a.m. She had a granola bar while watching TV, got herself dressed and peeled an orange with her mom to take to school. Jessica loved going to school. She usually met friends to walk to the school, which was in her neighborhood, and this morning was no different. Jessica called one of the boys from her school to confirm that they'd be walking together. She spoke to the boy's father, who told her that his son would be waiting for her. Jessica's mom, Sarah, worked an overnight shift from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m., so she had just gotten home in time to see her daughter off to school when she left at 8.30 a.m. It was snowing. Sarah watched Jessica walk out the door, and that would be the last time she would see her daughter alive. The walk to her classmate's house was only about 1,000 feet, and when Jessica didn't show up by 8.40 a.m., the father drove his son to school, assuming that she had changed her plans. Jessica's mom, Sarah, went to bed as she usually did because she slept during the day while Jessica was at school. She assumed that her daughter had made it to school safely. She, at the time, had been receiving nonstop calls from a college that she had applied to go to. So she left to she left her phone in another room while she slept. Because of this, she didn't hear her phone ringing when the school called to see why Jessica hadn't arrived that morning. When Sarah woke up later that afternoon, she faced every parent's worst nightmare. Jessica never made it to school. Sarah immediately assumed something was wrong. There had to be some kind of mistake. She drove past the park, but Jessica wasn't there. She went to a friend's house, but no Jessica. And finally, she drove to the school and found out that no one had seen Jessica all day. At that point, Sarah called the police to report her daughter missing. It was 4.23 p.m. Pretty quickly, officers arrived. One went to the Ridgeway home. One went to the school. They were trying to piece together more information about the situation and circumstances leading up to Jessica's disappearance. Initially, they looked into the parents and the family dynamic. 
Sarah and Jessica's father, Jeremiah Bryant, hadn't been together in years. Jeremiah lived in Missouri at the time, and the parents had reportedly been fighting over the child support agreement of $267 per month. There was a court hearing regarding the child support on the day of Jessica's disappearance. Police confirmed that Jeremiah had been at the hearing and was working the rest of the day, so they ruled him out. They've got to rule the parents out, of course. But once police confirmed Jeremiah was where he said he was, and he didn't know what happened to Jessica either, the search intensified. Officers searched the route that Jessica took to school. They canvassed the park with bloodhounds, and by 9.15 that evening, with still no sign of Jessica, police had enough information to believe that Jessica had been abducted, so they issued an Amber Alert. That night, firefighters used thermal imaging to attempt to locate Jessica. They also brought in lights to illuminate Chelsea Park, and a dive team searched the depths of Kettner Lake, which was around two miles away from Jessica's home. They wanted to utilize a helicopter in their search that night as well, but it was too cold to fly without the blades icing over. A Facebook post about the missing girl circulated and neighbors began to arrive at the community center to assist in the search. They were sent home around 2 a.m. but returned later that day. This time, almost 1,000 people arrived to assist in the search, but there was no sign of Jessica. The next day, on October 7th, a man in the Rock Creek neighborhood discovered a backpack and water bottle sitting upright on the sidewalk. The backpack had a keychain with the name Jessica on it. Not really thinking anything of it, he posted the backpack on the Westminster Town List server with the caption, if this is yours, come get it. When someone commented and pointed out that the backpack could belong to the 10-year-old girl who had gone missing, they... The man called 911, finally. It was confirmed that the backpack did belong to Jessica, and her glasses were found inside the backpack along with her belongings. So it seemed like this was finally a break in the case, but there was still no sign of the young girl. Jessica's father, Jeremiah, traveled to Colorado from Missouri around this time, but there was little that her parents could do but search and wait and plead with the public for help in finding their missing daughter. The parents were eventually ruled out as suspects, and police believed that it was highly likely that Jessica had been abducted by a stranger. Jessica had been missing for five days when on October 10th, 2012, a call came in. Maintenance workers were picking up trash along a barren, isolated stretch of road east of Highway 93 in Arvada when they came across a large black trash bag near the side of the road. Now, this area of Arvada was pretty isolated at the time. There's since been construction of houses out in the area, but there's tumbleweeds, old mine shafts, barbed wire fences, and lots of wildlife. This is really close to the house that I grew up in. I used to drive this road almost daily. It was kind of my thing, like just driving down that road. It was really peaceful. Whenever I needed to get out some teenage angst, I would roll the windows down and drive down this road. So as these maintenance workers come across this black trash bag, an animal control officer was passing by. So they flagged the officer down and asked them to investigate the bag. The officer looked inside the bag and discovered human remains. 
Within hours, hundreds of officers were canvassing the area looking for evidence. The next day, police held a press conference to confirm the reports that the body that had been found was not intact. The conference was held due to the fact that a media helicopter had recorded the discovery of the body and it was pretty clear that the body had been dismembered. It was horrific. Two days later, state and local law enforcement officials announced that DNA tests had confirmed that the remains were Jessica Ridgeway's. So the focus shifted from finding Jessica to getting justice for her. Westminster Police Chief Lee Burke said at the time, quote, our focus has changed from the search for Jessica to a mission of justice for Jessica. All our efforts now are in search of her abductor. We recognize there is a predator at large in our community, end quote. Candlelight vigils were held and a memorial was held at a local church with over 200 people gathering to remember the kind, loving little girl. Police released photographs of a wooden cross found in the investigation that they believed could be pivotal to finding Jessica's killer. Around the same time, police began recognizing similarities between Jessica's kidnapping and murder and an attempted abduction of a 22-year-old woman on Memorial Day around Kettner Lake. Four months before Jessica was kidnapped, a woman was jogging at Kettner Lake when she was attacked by an unknown assailant who shoved a chloroform-soaked rag in her face. The woman was able to fight him off and call police. DNA collected from this attack was discovered to match the DNA that was collected from Jessica's backpack as well as her body. The Colorado Bureau of Investigation tested hundreds of DNA samples obtained by swabbing the cheeks of men in the neighborhood. One of the people who gave a DNA sample was a 17-year-old boy named Austin Sig. Austin willingly gave a DNA sample and claimed he was at home at the time of Jessica's disappearance. Police also noticed that he was wearing a cross around his neck. Those who knew Austin described him as smart and interested in mortuary science, but said he was bullied for having a high voice. On October 23rd, a breakthrough in the case occurred when Mindy Sig, Austin's mother, called Westminster police and told them that her son had confessed to abducting and murdering Jessica Ridgway. Police were pretty shocked. They had been looking for an adult male, they thought. And why wasn't his DNA flagged as a match during the search? Well, when the FBI was conducting the DNA testing, they sent back empty envelopes labeled with the names of those who had submitted the samples. An en empty envelope meant the DNA did not, not match the samples from Jessica or the jogger. At the time, Austin's envelope had come back empty too. But then, investigators learned that his sample had been lost in a batch that hadn't yet actually been tested. A new test was ordered immediately, and it was quickly confirmed that Austin's DNA matched the sample found on the jogger, Jessica's water bottle, and her remains. Austin was arrested in his home on October 23, 2012. He pleaded guilty to all charges against him. Because he was 17 at the time of her murder, he couldn't face the death penalty, but he would be charged as an adult. He described to police how he tried to kidnap the jogger four months before he kidnapped Jessica using a homemade chloroform recipe. He would drive around in his Jeep hunting for a victim, and he came across Jessica in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
Now, I'm going to give a trigger warning. Fast forward like a minute if you don't want to hear exactly what happened. Um, On the morning of October 5th, Austin spotted Jessica walking down the street. She picked up a snowball and was walking towards him. He hid in the back of his Jeep and lunged at Jessica as she walked past him. He pulled her into the car, zip tied her hands and feet before taking her back to his house and up to his room. He cut her hair and forced her to change her clothes. He sexually assaulted her before strangling her to death. He then filled the bathtub with hot water and forced her face into it. He then dismembered her in the bathtub before hiding some of the remains in a crawl space in the house and disposing of her torso in the park. Jessica's mother, Sarah, described her daughter and the impact of her loss in the courtroom while a slideshow of pictures played. Sarah said, quote, I don't think that the defendant has the right to hear how he affected me, my family, or who Jessica was. Once we walk out of this courtroom, we'll not remember his name and we'll only remember Jessica and the legacy she created, end quote. Defense attorneys said Austin's mother inhaled paint while she was pregnant with him and that trauma he experienced before and during his birth caused him to have head and intestinal deformities. His mother reported finding child pornography on his laptop, and a friend told police that Mindy joked about his her son's strange habits. She even said that she had practiced zip-tying and restraining someone with her son. Um, ma'am. After thanking Austin Sig for pleading guilty and sparing Jessica's family the ordeal of a trial, Jefferson County District Court Chief Judge Stephen Munsinger said, quote, evil is apparently real. It was present in our community on October 5th, 2012, end quote. Austin Sig was sentenced to life in prison plus 86 years with the possibility of parole after 40 years. I hope he never sees the light of day. And that is a story of the murder of Jessica Ridgway. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. The sources for the episode will be listed on the blog post for the episode at www.thehauntedcorner.com, which will be linked to in the show notes for you. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts with new episodes dropping every Monday, plus a weekly bonus Patreon episode for those who support on Patreon. Speaking of which, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to support the show and get access to that bonus content, plus early access to the regular episodes, head over to patreon.com forward slash the haunted corner. You'll be supporting the show and you'll have access to lots of cool stuff. Thank you in advance. Follow us on social media at The Haunted Corner on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. And if you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen. Thank you all for tagging me in your Spotify wrapped. That made my day. And um, if you have a case suggestion or a correction you want to share with me, please email me or send me a message on social media. Until next time, be kind and take care of yourselves and each other. And we'll see you soon. Bye.